Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's another week of American Tennis. And, uh, folks, we've got the NCAA tournament coming up this, the final 16. The tournament started actually last weekend with regionals around the country, and the final 16 will be in Winston-Salem at Wake Forest University this Thursday, I believe, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday and Monday. I think they have one day in there that sort of half the team's playing, half not on Saturday, Sunday. But I know there's a lot of action scheduled starting Thursday. So good luck to those teams. And the NCAA tournament has always uh, been a favorite thing, going down to Athens, Georgia, and uh, doing what you need to do to try to advance in that tournament is something else. It, it is some of the best and upcoming talent uh, around. And um, since it is NCAA week, and since, you know, I have been a college coach for, gee whiz, now this will be 41 years coming up on it. I, I love college tennis. I love most things about it. I am not thrilled to death over um, <laughs> the politics of the game and uh, what has happened with, uh, you know, just said the ITA coming in and trying to be the big brother and the the um, the runners of all of college tennis, they never were meant to be that way. They were, the ITA was meant to be ITCA, the Intercollegiate Tennis Coaches Association. They were not ever meant to be as powerful as they perceived to be. Uh, they perceived to be because they assume and others assume that they are running the show. And in doing so, they do run a lot of what is going on, and they are, as you've heard my programs for many, many uh, weeks on this topic, uh, like many organizations that uh, forget about being service organizations, uh, they they sort of run roughshod and sort of do what they want to do. 
Um, we, we have a situation that has raised its head this week uh, from a recent tennis article in uh, Tennis Magazine and Coach Kenny Heidinger. Coach Heidinger was uh, one of the best coaches in the country for near 30 years at Indiana University of Mississippi State. He coached at Pepperdine some as well. But one of the finest gentlemen out there and one of the brightest people out there. And he is still giving his time um, helping youngsters uh, as he and as he's staying in the game. So I'm hoping Coach will call in and, and talk about his comments. But I'm going to read as sort of a teaser to start out. I'm going to read what Coach Heidinger said in the, this week in um, on the Internet. I, w- I want to say he said that the guy from Tennis Magazine, he said he couldn't be farther from the uh, truth. He's, uh, he's talking that they're shredding the traditions, Coach Heidinger is, and he is setting a bad course for the future. Uh, he, Coach Heidinger talks about, he says, cannot believe – what he spews and some of the nonsense that he spews. For example, taking the changes, he said it's harder to find a dissenting voice among those that play in Division One. Uh, the coaches in Division One talk and say like it, like uh, you know everybody likes it, but basically the truth on the matter is a much different thing. The truth on the matter, as I've brought out many times, is that we had. Uh, nine separate different votes or movements and petitions that absolutely did not want the changes, not to the format of the college match, but to the changes in the scoring system. The ITA very cleverly maneuvered their way through the dislikes and through the objections of the multiple coaches and they went ahead and did what they wanted to do behind the closed doors of their hand-picked, hand-picked officers and members. Every one of them hand-picked to suit the needs and the ideology of the director at that time, which was in the, up in the Northeast, and um, the ideology of some of the others that felt by changing the system, they believe changing the system, they maybe would have more success or they basically just believe that it was uh, the right way to do it. Coach Heiding says, I can say that nobody really likes this. They were forced into it. He said he coached 29 years and uh, now does a club and works with youngsters he said the play is falling off on the boys' side for sure because there are just no opportunities for young men to go to college. And uh, the scholarships were one situation. Scholarships were cut back back in the uh, early 19, late 1970s, actually. I think the first time they cut them back big time was 75, 76, right when I was getting into coaching, folks. And then they cut them back from – it was eight to five, then they cut them back a few years later to four and a half. So everyone knows on the uh, women's side, they had eight full scholarships. Men have ha- operated with four and a half since then. That's a completely different issue, though, folks. I don't want to go uh, off on a red herring there and, and go do talk about something else. 
But that is a uh, Title IX proportionality gender equity issue that the NCAA made. But Coach Heidinger points to that, and then he said, talks about the opportunities to practice if the game have been taken away. He also talks that, you know, they uh, basically um, the coaching has been taken out of the game. He says players, coaches now go after international players because they have to in order to keep their jobs. But in doing so, many, many programs are being dropped. And he points out to Eastern Kentucky this last month that was dropped. And we have had over 300 collegiate programs dropped. And, folks, just a side note, I've recruited for many, many years. We have states like in the state of Maryland. I do not believe we have a men's D1 program there. We might have one uh, in the state of Maryland. state of West Virginia, we do not have a D1 men's program. In the state of Kansas, for example, I think maybe we have Wichita State, uh, uh, which maybe. I, th I think they still have a men's program there. That might be the last one. But many, many of your states have no men's Division I programs. The I this is a side note, too, just as it, as it comes to mind. The ITA did a horrible job at planning for the future of our sport because as I look at a sport like college baseball, college baseball still has upward of 60 games per year scheduled. They play deep into June, and they have, um, you know, their sport is very vibrant with a lot of draft choices still being taken out of college and going into the professional ranks. Uh, college golf has done a much better job. Uh, many years ago, college golf in the 60s, I believe, went from a dual match format that was very antiquated where the number five player played the number five player, the number six played the number six in a match play setting, they went from that to medal play or tournament play where it became a very vibrant um, very environment where anybody on any team could pop up and become the best player in the country. Uh, and this is a whole different conversation, but once again, dual match tennis is probably one of the crushing things of player development, and we had a talk last week. I was on, uh, I think, with John Denise's program on Thursday. If you can go back and look at Coach John Denise's program, we talked about the sleeping giant that high school tennis could be if it had uh, more creativity, or in, in college had more creativity in more tournament play and not dual match play. Once again, dual match play. Stay with me here, folks. Dual match play, players grow arithmetically and they fall exponentially. In college tennis, we've had dual match play for years, and I can tell you that when a player loses, they can fall exponentially in a hurry if they cost their team their match complete match and it's it's gotten it's it's even worse than it ever was now because of the abbreviated format that we have with the no ad and all that uh players take losses they shouldn't take and they haven't worked 
players get wins they haven't really worked for very often. Uh, but the dual matches, players grow arithmetically just a little bit, a little bit at a time. You get a win at number six, rah, rah, rah. You've sort of got to go 15-0 and 0 before anybody notices you winning at number six. In tournament tennis, stay with me here. So in dual match tennis, you fall exponentially, grow arithmetically. In tournament tennis, you grow exponentially. You can lose for two months straight and then pop up in one weekend and win a big event, and you are the top, top player or the top dog in that territory. And that's uh, fantastic about we see it happen all the time. Players have breakout tournaments. In tournament tennis, you only fall arithmetically. When you lose, you might lose the first round match four, four weeks in a row, and everybody just knows that that's the way tennis is. So uh, the dual match format really, really is, is a bummer. But uh, Coach, uh, getting back to Coach Ken Heidinger here, so he says uh, players and coaches now don't have time to develop the players. They've limited it because of ITA legislation and ITA not doing its job to serve the coaches. They allowed college tennis to get that cut back to 25 matches, and now they've put in this ridiculous format of no ad scoring, match clinching when the doubles are over and when the singles are over, and what an abomination this doubles point has been. Two out of three, they no, excuse me, you play one set of no-ad tennis for doubles. One set of no-ad tennis, and it's laughable. It is a ridiculous format, and the ITA, of course, I blame you guys. I blame coaches for not sticking up like we should have and fought. No, 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 excuse me. That's wrong. I've got nine times where we as coaches voted this down, but I blame the ITA for being crooked and for pushing through what they wanted to push through anyway. I absolutely blame them. I blame the USTA for not having better oversight or very no better insight into the game of tennis. Uh, and that sounds ridiculous, almost like a parrot. I mean, how in the world could they not have insight into tennis? Where the USTA, their first first emphasis right now is the marketing of the game. They turn it over to the marketeers. They've turned it over to the people who are counting numbers of people playing. They, the traditional historians of the game, the coaches of the game, and those people who would fight and do fight to help the game of tennis endure and prosper for many years to come have been pushed aside because of the marketeers. Now, Ken Heidinger says, beside dropping programs, the USTA now has made Davis Cup and U.S. Open champion. Now, in college, is all now faltering in big-time way. NCAA cuts are the culprit. NCAA, and, and NCAA, again, it's run by ITA. It's not NCAA. ITA, this Heidinger says, the NCAA cuts, but the ITA is the culprit. So 
Tennis Magazine came out with this article last week, I guess, and I'm trying to look this up here. But the long and the short of it, they said, oh, tennis and college is in good shape. Well, if it's in such good shape, why do we have only four, four former USA-born players? And that's important. USA-born players that have gone to college and are in the top 100 in the world. We have three on the men's side and one on the women's side. Do you know we had 41 in the mid-'80s? 41. This was before the USTA stuck their nose in there, and the ITA basically was not as strong. They did not garnish, garnish as much power as they had. Folks, i hoping Coach Heidinger will come on today. I'm hoping I've, I've got a call into him, and I hope he will come on. I want him to talk to you. But uh, I wanted to read you very quickly my summation in uh, – then we'll, we'll we'll go to a break here. But I said, I, I I wrote back, Coach Ken Heidinger's summation is absolutely right. He speaks the complete truth. The hijack hijacking of college tennis has been going on for a while and continues to be done in such a self-serving and dishonest way. It leaves we coaches of the game very dejected and speechless. We have documentation of everything that the ITA has done for several years. The truth is that the coaches voted down the ITA abbreviation and the shortening of the college game again and again and again, irregardless of their push of the very laughable format now played in D1. It was opposed time after time for, uh, by these coaches and lovers of the game. Their goals were pre-planned. The ITA played a very crooked hardball and they pre-selected and they always do pre-select their officers and their committee appointees and I have a big problem with this. I have a big problem with the way the ITA selects their officers. They have no representation from multiple conferences. The conference I'm in has no representation. They give a regional yes man that is on their committee, and they've had the same person for year after years after years. So they pretty much are in lockstep with what the goal is there. And I call it the deep state of tennis and college tennis. This ITA is the deep state. But they've played very crooked hardball and select their own appointees. USTA then, they use USTA people who are buddying up, and they basically send smoke screens out. The ITA plan several years ago, this plan was started, and it's being carried out now. And as I pointed out on earlier programs, there is a much deeper reason for this, folks. You can go back to some of my programs, and we point this out. Tennis is in deep trouble, folks, at every level and it stems primarily from misguided leaders that are often, and I hate to say anyone is inept. We are all are not good enough at what we do, but the point is your coaches are your best, uh, best people out there as far as being, that they are your field troops, they are the foot soldiers, they are the people that are in the trenches. But a lot of these leaders are very egotistical, and they want to make their own personal mark through in 
instead instead of protecting tennis traditions. Tennis traditions should be the first job of the USTA. The first job of the USTA should be tennis traditions. The first job of ITA in college tennis should be to help players, young student athletes, groom their games and have a full sporting activity, not an after-school activity, which our sport is and has become. The damage they've done is to our sport of 145 years. Now, it, it is beyond belief that the ITA, which it's, it's only been in existence, oh golly, I was in those early meetings, only $10 to be a member back in the 70s, 10 bucks, And they were trying to scrap out and, and get somebody that paid, and the guy made it as a paid operation. And uh, so they've been in existence 35 years or something, but they're trying to take down a sport that has been around 145 years. They don't know that they are, but they're taking it down. It sounds like this writer that Ken Heidinger has an issue with took some notes from basically the riot, certain USTA or ITA proponents, and that's not a good way. They need this guy. I'm going to challenge this guy to who did this article to please give me a call and uh, please send me, shoot me an email. It's chuckcreasy at gmail.com, chuckcreasy at gmail. Shoot me an email. I would love to give you the inside scoop of all that has been going on. To be fair, if you want fair, fair news. Program today is called Fake Tennis News May Now Be Here. I don't know. Might be here. It might be here, and it's a shame. You know, it is just a daggone shame. But we'll be right back in a minute. This is Coach Chuck Creasy with American Tennis. J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and yes, 2018 will be my last summer. After 43 summers of my total tennis training camps, you can sign up for my camp in Sumter, South Carolina, or Cookville, Tennessee. Folks, that's it. After 15,000 children and after 43 summers, this will be my last summer. I'm going to get back to hanging out more with my family, and I'm going to reinvent some daggone things where I can stay active and do those things that I need to do at this stage in life. Folks, go to ChuckCreasy.net, and it'll tell you what you have to do to sign up.
Coach Chuck Creasy, yes, we need to make tennis players in America, and we need to make them uh, solid, strong, and able to do what they need to do on that tennis court to be competitive in still the toughest and the best game in the world. Last weekend, I was able to go down to the Little Mo Championships in Marietta, Georgia, and might I say maybe the one of the best-run junior tournaments they were all young kids, 10 and a few 11-year-olds, I think. But uh, best-run tournaments I've seen, and, and uh, hats off there to Coach uh, J.P. Weber and, and his wonderful wife, Jennifer, as they put on a tremendous, tremendous program for the kids. And I was asked to come in and do a talk and to talk to the, the parents about just parenting and coaching, parenting, uh, and, and tennis, and the game of tennis. Um, and it's, we had some fantastic questions, but pretty much um, I started the program out by just sharing some stories that I have very recently with my own children playing baseball for my son, track and swimming for my daughter, and then my youngest daughter uh, playing some tennis, and then the the things that they're going through and the things that are learning, and we are 100% beginners at being uh, parents uh, in, in competitive athlete, athletics, and we get confused, and we we... Uh, we, we really just don't know what to do a lot of times when uh, certain situations come up. Now, yes, I have 47 years of working in the sport of tennis coaching and 41 years in college coaching, but one parent said, is it easier to coach parent, uh, your teams or, or your own children? And by that was an easy answer, way harder, way, way easier to coach your teams and coaching your own child you you we really just get confused and and we we make a lot of uh, emotional decisions and emotional mistakes and we uh hover over our children whether we want to do it or not we really have to use our heads to uh keep neutral and uh, i i tried to talk to the parents about the different ages that things naturally happen and there is this age from six, seven, eight, nine or so where the parents are all, honey, have fun, have fun, you know, just, just have fun. It doesn't matter if you win or not. It just have fun and all that's the emphasis. Well, you know what? The kids don't even know anything about pressure before age 10 or so. Some of them, a few might be very unique, but most of the kids are out there uh, <laughs> sitting in the field at eight years old, they'll sit down in the field and look for four-leaf clovers and stuff uh, and, and miss pop balls and things like that. 
but the point is it's fun until that age eight. Then I explained to uh, the parents, when my son got to be about 10, and uh, my daughter, when she got to be about 10, all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, what is this? I feel the pressure, this thing called pressure. And, uh, wow, I want to win, I don't want to lose. And, wow, losing hurts and winning feels good, but, wow, okay, wait a minute, this is different. Now, this is a natural thing that we talked to parents about this weekend, that this this happens. And at that point, you have to allow your child to sort of become who they're going to be and mature at their level. Then I went through the age group of from that age group to about 12, 13, or 14 years old, uh, when puberty starts happening, uh, you want all of the fundamentals down because peer pressure and competition gets really intense. Uh, I'm always reminded of Tim Wilkerson, the great Tim Wilkerson, the great Dr. Dirt, who's on a pro tour for over 10 years. Coach uh, Tim Wilkerson, he once on J.P. Weber's We Coach Tennis radio program said, you've got to remember that youngsters play for two reasons. They play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. And that is absolutely true. Peer groups become much more important around 14, 15, right in that age group. By that time, the kids are off and running and learning skills to to take care of the, uh, the successes and the failures in a good, constructive way and learning the coping skills of what do you do when the loss really, really hurts, and the coping skills when what do you do when the wind feels so good you can't get it out of your system. And all of those things are skills that have to be learned. One of the things I pointed out, folks, is that I told them that probably in my coaching experience, maybe 10 to 15% of the kids are just natural competitors that are clutch, that get it right, right out of the blocks. And I told them probably 30% of the kids, 30% of the kids don't want any part of it. They don't want any part of the pressure. Probably half of all the children out there, half of all the youngsters I've worked with over the years, they have to learn the skills of dealing with the ups and the downs and the pressure turns. And as much as you want to say, look, just have fun, avoid the pressure. If you dare, if you care, pressure and pain and excitement will always be there. If you dare, if you care, it's going to be there. So it's what you do. Oh, my way I put this is when your rear end starts to quiver, you still have to learn to deliver. And uh, you have to learn how to play when the pressure comes. I always approach tennis with parents and others that tennis is absolutely the hardest game. There is no game that's harder. It is absolutely chess mixed with wrestling, mixed with boxing, mixed with beautiful art, mixed with so many things. It's the most fantastic game there is. That's why I think I've become so aggravated when we try to dumb this game down. 
these folks in the ITA know not what they do as they dumb down our sport. These folks in the USTA that would make all of our children play these silly abbreviated scoring of no ad, 10-point tiebreakers, all of this stuff, they know not what they do as they dumb down this great, great sport. It is the hardest of all sports. It is the best of all sports. We need to treat it as such. I usually will say to people, we have Rambo, and we forced him to dress in a bikini bathing suit and made him look very, very untough. This is the tough, tough, toughest sport that there absolutely is. When we, uh, I talked also about the the over protection of our children and how there are good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads, but the good goods and good bads are what we're shooting for. Bad goods are something that we want to steer away from, but the overprotection of our children and not letting them go through the school of hard knocks turns out tweeners, tweeners, and you don't want to be a tweener. That's an in-between somebody who's, who's really just a complainer and a whiner and somebody that's a winner. Uh, and so we talked about tweenerism and the science of tweenerism. So these were the topics that I talked about. Now, I left the parents with this. You need to go out and make sure that you buy the book, The Talent Code. There is so much good information out there, and there's because there's so much information, there's a lot of bad information too. But The Talent Code is incredible, and folks, if you want to learn how to help your children get into sports and really it, 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 it takes, it encapsulates or it teaches exactly what the deal is. And it's the old school, 10,000 hours, and easy to pick up is easy to put down. Hard to pick up is sure hard to put down. But the talent code's the great. Now, this is the other thing. I told, always tell parents to go out and get the movie and watch the movie Searching for Bobby Fisher. This is a fantastic, fantastic movie that all tennis parents need to watch. For sure, for sure, that might parallel tennis as close as I've ever seen junior tennis being paralleled. So that's that was my what I did this, this weekend, folks, and... Uh, we do have the NCAA tournament as I talk coming up. I am still waiting, hoping that maybe Coach Ken would will call in. But I did want to um, say a couple of these things. My friend uh, J.P. Weber is, I, I don't know if I've met anybody that is more tennis brilliant. Um, he sees the game in so many uh, ways and uh, – I absolutely, when I bring people down there, I will take them into his office just to show him the library of information and the museum of information and what he has, and it, it's just fantastic. It is it is absolutely fantastic. 
Um, but he has been trying forever, and he, he's such. I, I don't know if there are many better tennis people out there, but he has been trying forever to get me to get bigger on Facebook and to do all this Facebook stuff. And I, of course, I call it fake book. I just, I don't like it when it's so easy. I told him, I said, when everybody becomes famous, no one really is. When everybody, everything is exciting, nothing really is. When everybody has their ideas out there, well, very few great ideas ever is. And, and the bottom line on the thing is it's better to stand out than to fit in. I don't know where the next big move will be happening in the media or whatever. We have a program today is fake news. Fake news, tennis news may now be here. And how these, whether it's an article from the Internet, Facebook, whether it's in one of our bigger uh, publications that are out there, there is so much information out there. No one knows what is truth, what is not, what has been covered, what has been researched, what has not. But when you have so much out there, it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. Well, I guess what we need to do and we need to start doing is get to the place where we um, – I, I guess we go to learned people, as we always have, and ask them for information on where to look on the Internet for things. I guess that would be it. So I think that's still – boy, there's a lot of stuff out there. Folks, I'm getting ready to go to the NCAA tournament here. I'm going to head up the road tomorrow probably. But I did want to go through once again very quickly, and I only have a few minutes why I've covered so many weeks why our game, I believe, is under assault. And whether it's for selfish reasons, I do not believe it's to save the game of tennis. I believe that the USTA, their marketing gurus are trying to promote the game. And they're not trying to save the tennis or they would pay much more attention to the history and the heritage. They basically are tearing down all of our our fundamentals, our traditions, the records, everything will be of nothing if we change the whole game. I'd like very quickly to go through just the, the avenue of scoring, tell you one more time why we need to protect traditional scoring. Like many aspects of this, um, you know, what seems simplistic on the outside, the depth and the intrigue of our scoring system is inspired people for 145 years. That's a long time. Successes and non-successes have always been benchmarked, engaged by the accuracy of this measurement. So do you see that to change it, number one, you have a different measurement. Maybe we need an asterisk for anything that people do from here on out if they win with tiebreakers or those things. But the genius, here's the point, the genius of our scoring system has presented the ultimate challenges to mind, body, and spirit of the competitor for this long time. It is our most precious heirloom. We need to respect it. We need to honor it. We need to protect it. Folks, let me give you these quick reasons 
Traditional scoring is the most accurate, most fair, and most time-tested barometer. I've just said this. For measuring skill sets that it takes to win in the sport of tennis. The ability to upset pecking order and to go forward or to proceed through the normal rites of passage must be marked. They must be tried and true. They must be the same rites of passage that people have worked to overcome and to go through for many, many years. Tennis, number two, tennis is one of the few sports where, folks, this is what most people don't understand. You have scoring opportunity in offense and defense. Other sports just you do only on offense. But think about this. When you don't score, the other guy scores. Could you imagine a basketball game where if you made a shot and you didn't score, the other team got two points? Could you imagine soccer, a shot on goal that didn't go in, they got one point? Could you imagine in football, a touchdown, should a drop pass in the end zone or a failed a stopped drive allows points to go on the scoreboard. That's what we have in tennis. Now, that's why the seventh point of the game in no ad is so bastardizing to our entire sport. The overloaded values, apps, absolutely, and it, it's actually, it's, it's eight points. It's, two, it's a two-game swing. Every time somebody wins a game, it is a, two-game swing. It's most easily seen at 4-2, becomes 5-2 or 4-3. But what about at 4-4? If you get to go ahead 5-4 game, you need four points. The other guy, the other person needs 12 points. Awful. We are bastardizing this process. Fitness is being taken out of the game. Abbreviations and traditions that dilute to minimize the elements of conditioning and endurance that are needed in, in, in the body and your mind and your spirit. Results have always been equated or made better or worse through fitness or lack thereof. The three points in a row. What about the conversion point, the third in a row? Do you know if you don't win the first point of the game in tennis, you've got to win three in a row or four out of five. If you don't, Everybody knows when it's add out, you've got to win three in a row. If you don't learn how to win three in a row in tennis, if you don't learn how to win three in a row, you can't play the game. What we've done is bastardize it so that now you only have to win one point in a row. War zones are war zone endurance, the long game that goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's like arm wrestling. When one person gets the advantage, it's usually with this long, long game. And they get dominance. I always used to ask my players, where did you win or lose that match? They will say, Coach, 2-1, second set. We had the long war zone. I won that long game. And then one one other player went away. Point construction and well-rounded games are highlighted by traditional scoring. No ad accelerates. it, It accelerates. Parity, false parity, false parity between the levels without being able to master it. Um, look, it's just simple. Small people are not going to be able to play with no ad scoring as well. No ad re- rewards ball striking over the person that can construct points. Awful. It's going to just, it probably will really, really hurt the small player and the player who does not have the big, big weapons. 
There used to be many multiple ways of winning, and you will not be able to do it anymore, no ad. Another point, like point six, <clears throat> seven. Traditional scoring produces greater drama. It's not excitement. Just like I said, when everybody's a hero, nobody's really a hero. <laughs> When you ride the roller coaster four times in a row, the fifth time isn't that exciting. They're promoting excitement over in Noad Tennis, but it should be drama. Have you ever been to a baseball game and you notice when it's uh, the count gets to three and two and the player fouls the ball and fouls the ball and fouls the ball again? These are like no ad points. These are like ad points not converted. It increases the drama. Drama intensifies with each denial. Excitement dwindles with each occurrence, folks. We don't need a roller coaster. We need an Alfred Hitchcock movie where, where the drama intensifies with each denial. Players and coaches have voted again and again and again and again and again. They want to play regulation tennis. They do not want to play NOAD. NOAD has never been a rule of tennis. They made the rule up. ITA, these guys made this rule out of the thin air, and they promoted. Could you imagine in in uh, football if somebody just, if let's say the College Football Association or somebody just came up with, uh, hey, we think a passing touchdown should be nine points, a running touchdown should only be six points, and then they push it through. Could you imagine that? That is what the ITA did. Shameful, shameful, shameful. They used their politicization, is that the right word? Their political power they have used and they have pushed through their agenda. Folks, stand up, speak out. No ad is not a rule of tennis. Last, when we use traditional scoring, we are honoring the game and protecting our most precious heirloom that there is. Folks, tell your folks, tell your friends to stand up and fight this. Fake news is right around the corner. Fake tennis news is may now be here. It may be right around the corner. It may be here already. Folks, these articles, if you can, go back and look up Coach Heidinger's um, ideas, and uh, what a great man. We will have him on here sometime soon. But uh, for now, folks, look, I'm Chuck Creasy. Email me at chuckcreasy at gmail. Dot com Chuck Creasy, K-R-I-E-S-E, at gmail.com. Tell me if you don't approve. You know, you ITA guy, I tried to call the ITA guy, listen, in January. They gave me a five-week five wait and sent me an appointment to talk to the guy. I am so outraged by that that I did not call back or anything. I've been in coaching 41 years in college. Shameful, shameful that those guys are that way. It's not the way to be. For you, for me, let's stand up, speak out, honor the game, and it will honor us. We will see you next week.